This evening, we're going to be looking at a passage from John chapter 11. John chapter 11. So I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles at this time to John chapter 11. There's one verse and really two words out of one verse that we're going to be focusing our attention on here this evening. Uh, John 11, and it's a verse... Um, Verse 22, John 11, 22, and it's the words which I've titled this evening's sermon, Even Now, Even Now, John 11, and we'll focus in on verse number 22. The context here, because we're, we're not going to look at the early portions of this chapter tonight, but it begins, John chapter 11 begins by the mention of Lazarus, who is a dear friend of Jesus being sick. He was uh, very close to Jesus. Lazarus was a brother to Mary and Martha. And the chapter begins with us finding out that Lazarus is sick and that his sickness is quickly declining. And the sisters sent word to him, sent word to Jesus, thinking that Jesus can possibly do something to heal their brother. Uh, but what we find in the first 16 verses of John chapter 11 is that Jesus sits and does nothing. He waits. In fact, by the time that Jesus decides to even leave where he is to head to Bethany where Lazarus was, Lazarus, we find out, has already died. None of this was a surprise to Jesus. In fact, he made a statement in verse number 15 of John chapter 11 to his disciples that left them wondering what he was up to. And notice what it says here in verse 15. So after they find out, and after Jesus flat out tells them that Lazarus is dead, verse 15 says, as he's talking to his disciples, And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, to the intent ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Jesus was going to teach the disciples a valuable lesson here in this situation, a lesson that we could stand to learn today as well. So with your Bibles open, I'm going to read, beginning with verse number 17, and I'll read down through verse number 22 here in John chapter 11. And follow along as I read. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about fifteen furlongs off, and many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. And then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat still in the house. And then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. So Christ finally arrives on the scene in Bethany, but it's too late. Imagine what it must have been like for these two sisters, for Mary and Martha, who had sent word earlier to Jesus before their brother had, had died, and by the time Jesus arrives, he's been dead and buried four days. Imagine what it was like for them to have sent word when Lazarus was still alive, when he was still sick, and Jesus hears about it, and they know that he is delayed in coming until after their brother has died. Imagine what they're feeling like now that he has come, finally, but it's too late. They did everything they could to make sure that Jesus was aware of their brother's condition. They knew that they were close to Jesus and that this was something that he would probably take great concern in. But not only did Christ not heal Lazarus from his sickness, he didn't even show up until days after Lazarus has died and now he's buried. Well, many of us in that situation might have been quite irritated if we put, our shoes, put ourselves in the shoes of Mary and Martha. There's something interesting in the words of Martha that we find here in verse number 22 that I'd, I'd like to focus our attention on uh, here this, this evening. Again, she says, But I know that even now, 
Whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. We see here in the words of Martha great concern that she had for her brother. She was diligent in taking care of her brother's needs, and that was demonstrated by the fact that they sent word to Jesus days earlier to make sure that Jesus knew where he was and that he was sick and on his deathbed. But now her brother has died, and that concern that she originally had for him being healed and being strengthened has now turned into grief. But notice that even in the midst of grieving, there is a confidence in Christ demonstrated by her words in verse 22. Maybe she doesn't even realize to what extent she, she meant and what she fully said, but there's something truly powerful about what she says here in verse 22. She says, But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. I don't even know if she fully understood all that she was insisting here. For us readers uh, of these same events, it seems quite easy and natural to see that while Martha was now in the presence of Christ, because he has finally come onto the scene in Bethany, she would still have faith in him even if things were at their worst. It's often in our most difficult situations of life that Christ delights to do some of the greatest work. When we're stretched to our limit, when we are having our backs against the wall and we are not able to do anything for ourselves, I feel like that is a time when God shows how, majestic, how, how majestic and how magnificent he truly is. Now, we're not going to look at all the details tonight, but Christ would eventually go on to raise Lazarus from the dead. We probably all know this, something that we would view as completely impossible. Christ delights and specializes in doing that which is impossible. When life seems to be stacked against us, when all hope seems to be lost, it is God who can completely turn things around and he can do so in a matter of just a few moments. When Abraham was ready to offer his son Isaac on the altar, it was at the last possible moment that God intervened and spared his son Isaac. We often look at our, our despairing situations and think that, we're past the point of return. There's no good that can come out of this because if God were to do anything, he should have been here days ago because now we're at the point when nothing can be reversed and the situation is too far gone. We often begin to doubt the Lord and doubt whether the Lord is even paying attention to us, doubt whether the Lord is even capable of doing anything, or maybe we even complain because it seems that God is taking so much time to answer our pressing needs. Martha said to the Lord here in verse 21, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. As faithful of a servant as she was, and this family, if you go back and look at the history and just the relationship that all three of them, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, had with Christ, they were very close. There, there wasn't many that were that close to Christ during his public ministry, but this family was particularly close to, to Jesus. And so her saying this, we, we know she was a faithful servant of Christ, but she was complaining here about the Lord's timing, about the fact that he delayed, and had he been there earlier, there wouldn't be a funeral that he'd be attending, but there would be a time of celebration because Lazarus would be alive and not dead. We pray for needs all the time, wishing to see results right away, but often it is God's will for answers to come at a time later than what we ever expect. And with the passing of time, our needs become greater and greater, and our human nature tells us that if God was going to intervene, the time for him to intervene has come and gone. Now, regardless of the circumstances, Martha demonstrated great faith here. Her brother was dead. In fact, as we're told in verse number 17, he'd been in the grave four days. But her faith still stayed strong, and despite all the things that had not gone according to her plans in the last four days, she still has confidence in Christ. 
Again, in verse 22, she says, But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. I know that she would later object. Uh, later on, again, this is not a portion of what we're going to be looking at tonight, but later on when Christ would actually go to the tomb of Lazarus and he would instruct people to move away the tomb, Martha was the one that would say, stop, don't do it. He's been buried four days. He probably stinks by now. It's interesting that no one talks about him stinking once he's called out of the grave, but she objects to this, which is interesting when you consider again what she says here in verse 22. I know even now whatsoever thou will ask of God, God, God will give it thee. And that's why I say I don't think she fully understand just how awesome and powerful God could truly be and what he could truly do. But her faith is still definitely strong here. And think of how often our faith wavers. We like to think that our faith and our confidence in Christ is, is greater than what it really is. When we're not going through times of affliction, when things are going good in our lives, it's easy for us to feel strong. It's easy for us to feel confident. It's easy for us to have all the full assurance in Christ and what he's doing because there is no problem. But when the problems come and trials come, all the confidence that we had in the Lord that we previously boasted about starts to waver a bit. Or at least it's not as strong as, as what it should be. And as I look at verse 22, and I see Martha's words here to Christ, it's clear that her, her faith was at least resting in the power of Christ, even if she's not fully understanding just how powerful he is. But look at her words again. I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. She says, I know, whatever it may be. There's no doubt in these words. She doesn't say, I think that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. She says, I know there is assurance, there is firmness, there is confidence in what she's saying. There is an absolute certainty that her faith in Christ is, is steadfast enough to know that he can do anything. What that anything is, she has no clue because she's going to object to moving the stone away in just a, just a short while. But her faith is strong enough to know that God can do anything. I know, she says, that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. And when you stop and think about it, she's almost making a request, isn't she? She has just said that if Christ would have come sooner, previous verse, then Lazarus would not have died. But then she says that she knows even now, even now, Lord, you can do something. You should have been here sooner because if you were, then, then my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, now that you're here, you can still do something. Now, she's not asking him outright, do something, but she's acknowledging that he can. Now, even after Lazarus has been dead and buried four days, buried in a tomb, she knows that even now, the power of Christ is not limited. How confident are you in the power and in the working of God? Lazarus wasn't just sick. If he was just sick, the situation would have been so much different. The request that she's essentially making here in verse 22 would not have seemed so great. Even now, now that my brother is dead and buried and is in the grave four days, even now I know that you can do anything. If he were just sick, this wouldn't be such a, a big request. 
a big leap. This would have been a pretty routine healing of Christ, which he had done on numerous occasions throughout his public ministry, where he healed many people that were sick, many people that were on the verge of death. This would have been nothing. But this was no ordinary request and no ordinary faith being exemplified here. Lazarus was dead, and it wasn't every day that people are brought back from the dead. But nonetheless, Martha was so steadfast and confident in the Lord that she is able to say these words even now under such circumstances. Now, the question we need to ask ourselves is whether or not we can say these words and really mean it. Lord, in our situation, when things seem to be past the point of when we thought you should have intervened and when we think that anything can be done, Lord, can we still look at you and say, even now, even now, I know that whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Do we still have that confidence or do we brush it off thinking, well, it's past the point where God can do anything because I needed intervention on this day and now we're four days, five days, a week, a month, a year later and nothing has been done. It must be past the point. Or do we have the same confidence and faith that Martha has where she says, I know that even now, this wasn't an everyday occurrence. Again, her brother is dead. Not just dead and laying in a room in their house where they're anticipating Jesus to come and touch him and revive him. He's buried. They've sealed the coffin. They've sealed the tomb. They're not expecting anything to happen. It's done. They've accepted that. They've moved on. But she's expressing such confidence in Christ even now that he can do something. It's easy to say such things when, when things are good, that we can trust that God can do anything. But Martha expressed this faith and confidence in the Lord at a time of mourning. And what about us? What's our attitude when we go through trials? What's our attitude when we're witnessing to people? Uh, before you're too quick to answer that question, let me just share a couple thoughts with you. I've often thought about this with regards to witnessing because there's a lot of people that we just kind of dismiss as being past the point of salvation. Well, I know how they're going to respond. I've witnessed to them before. Or I can just see based on how they look that they're not going to be open to what I have to say. So they're not going to be receptive. They're not going to be able to understand the message. But I, I know that as much as we may think these things, there's a lesson here that we need to understand. No matter what we're going through, no matter the situation, no matter how dire the situation may be, Christ is still alive and working. He is still in the salvation business. Christ is still pleading for people to come to him and receive his grace. And I think that many times we're not demonstrating that same faith and that same confidence in the message of the gospel that we should be. We aren't looking to God and we're not saying, Lord, I know that even now, whatsoever thou will ask of God, God will give it thee. Instead of trusting in the power of God, we are closing doors on opportunities before allowing anything to even happen. We're so quick to forget the words of, of Hebrews 7.25 where the Bible says, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. No one is beyond saving while there is still life and breath within them. As believers, we ought to be concerned with the souls of others even now. Even now. Maybe it's a mother, maybe it's a father or a sister or brother or son or daughter or niece or nephew, whoever it may be that's in your life. 
that you spent time in prayer over, whoever it is that has been on your mind that you've been concerned about, whether or not they're saved, whoever it is that has caused your heart to be grieved, whoever it is whose condition seems to be hopeless, you ought to have the kind of faith, the same kind of faith that Martha had here, to trust that Christ even now, in a situation that you've deemed hopeless, that you've deemed unsavable, that God even now can answer your prayer, that he can grab a hold of the heart that you've been praying for and lead these sinners to salvation. As believers, we need to know, as Martha demonstrated here, she says, I know, I know that even now. We need to know what God is capable of and that a, a change and that a change can happen even in a hopeless situation where God can change them completely around. Martha knew that Christ could do anything. She didn't know what exactly that was going to look like, but she knew that he could do anything. And even with Lazarus lying lifeless in the grave, he could change things. And we ought to have such a faith in our own lives as well. Sure, we, we lift up needs to God in prayer, but I feel like when we do, our expectations are far too low. Well, we're We'll pray for God to do something. We'll pray for intervention. We'll pray for God to reach a certain individual. and Whatever it may be that we're praying for, I feel like there isn't an expectation that God is actually going to deliver. Many times we just feel like we need to be praying for a certain individual, and we, we do it just to pray and just to say that we've prayed instead of actually having that confident expectation that God is actually going to answer that request. Do we have the confidence that Martha has here where she says, I know that even now you can do this? Or are we just praying because we feel the need to pray? It's interesting because when our expectations are that low, when our prayers do get answered, we're shocked and surprised for some reason. Have you ever been there? Where you've prayed for something and then the Lord answers it and then something happens and the Lord shows you that and you're thinking, wow, that was incredible. Was it really that incredible? And not to, not to minimize what God does and how he's capable of working, but if that was what we asked for and God delivered, why is it so surprising to us? Why did it take us by surprise that, that God can actually do what we asked him to do? When you pray, pray expectantly. We read about Elijah who prayed that it might not rain. And the Bible tells us that it rained not on the earth for three and a half years. Then we're told that he prayed again and that the heavens gave rain and the earth brought forth her fruit. We tend to look at our trying circumstances and think that all hope is lost, and so we throw in the towel and we give up when we ought to be looking to God and saying, Lord, even now, I know you're capable of working mightily. Even now. Some of us have been working on and praying for certain people to come to Christ for quite some time without seeing the results that we've been wanting to see, without seeing the, the fruit that we want to see, which leads us to being discouraged. You can share God's truth with people until you're blue in the face and it doesn't seem to get anywhere. You don't have the results that you're wanting to see. You can do as much as is humanly possible and feel as if all of your efforts are entirely hopeless and fruitless and all the time spent witnessing and all your patience and all of your long-suffering, all the care and concern exercised is leaving you completely spent and exhausted and all the effort amounting to nothing can easily cause you to feel incredibly discouraged. 
And that is where we find Martha here in our passage this evening. She had done everything humanly possible to help her brother. Everything. And yet it seemed not to be enough. Lazarus continued to grow sick and then he died. And even when things went that far that she still had faith in Christ. When all of our attempts are are falling short. When our own reason and logic and knowledge and skill has not been enough. Still even now Christ is capable of accomplishing great things. We read about this account here in John chapter 11, and what's remarkable is that we see that, again, Martha had already accepted the death of her brother. Again, as I mentioned, he's not just dead and laying in a room in their house. He is buried. He's in a tomb. He's been there four days. There's no expectation as far as him being raised from the dead. They've settled it in their minds. By the time that Christ arrives in Bethany, again, verse 17 says that he'd been in the grave four days, Lazarus had. And even though her brother had been buried, Martha still is believing in the power of Christ, even though it may have appeared that she had completely given up on him. Even though he was dead and buried, she still had faith in the miracle working of Christ. Again, Lazarus is dead. He's not just no longer breathing. His heart was no longer beating. His brain function had ceased. His body had completely shut down. Again, he is completely sealed away with a massive stone covering his grave. They had given up all hope. There was no thought of recovery. There was no thought of being revived. It's pretty permanent when the stone seals the cave, isn't it? That's that's the period. Done. Lazarus is done. And I got her thinking, how many living and breathing people are there in our own lives to which we have sealed their tombs by putting a figurative stone in front of it. We've completely given up on some folks because in our minds we tell ourselves they are beyond saving. These people are unreachable. We've tried enough, so let's go ahead and just roll the stone to cover their front, uh, cover the front of the grave and seal their fate. How many people have we buried alive spiritually? For whatever reason it may be, we don't bother sharing the truth with some people. Lazarus had been given up on, he had been buried, and yet even then, God would bring him forth from the grave. And I assure you that it is often the people that have been given up on that God delights in blessing the most. Do we believe that even now, prayer can be heard? Do we believe that even now, the Holy Spirit can change a heart? Do we believe that even now, Christ can save a lost sinner? I think that as we read Scripture and grow closer to the Lord, we should probably be able to say that we absolutely know for sure that Christ and his gift of grace can save even the vilest of sinners. We have to believe it. We have to believe it. If we believe anything about what he's done for us, we have to believe that there is no limit to what he can do. Sometimes it's harder when it is someone that is near to us that we've been praying for. It's hard for us to believe that grace might actually get a hold of them because we know how they are, we know how stubborn they are, and just how turned off they've been to the message. And if that be the case, if your faith and your confidence in the ability of God is for whatever reason wavering or staggering, remember what you used to be yourself before God saved you. Maybe you weren't so openly wicked and as as sinful as those that you may be praying for, but I can assure you that inwardly, you're just the same as any other sinner that's out in the world right now. And when you remember the hopeless sinner you once were, take hope for the lost souls that you've been praying for in your life and realize that even now, we know that whatsoever God desires, he will do. 
For many of us, the hardest thing to do is to witness to our family. Some of us have grown hopeless about our relatives because whatever effort we've put forth, no matter how great or small it may be, our witnessing seems to fall on deaf ears. And this is the one thing that we try to avoid talking about when we get together with family. As Christians, though, we can't give up on our relatives. And this is much easier said than done. I'll admit that. But the fact remains that while others may give up on them, while others may cast them off, we can't because, like it or not, we're linked to them. So we ought to be seeking them out. And as a relative, there's none better to have them be sought out by because we're the most likely to reach them, especially if we can believe that even now, when things have come to the worst, even now God's almighty grace can intervene and save a lost soul. One of my favorite verses in all of Scripture is found in the book of Numbers. After the nation of Israel had been freed from captivity in Egypt, and they are wandering in the wilderness, they begin assessing their situation and looking around at their living arrangements and finding out that they're not too pleased about their situation. They began remembering all the great food that they had when they were slaves back in Egypt. They just forgot about the fact that they were slaves back in Egypt. And they began complaining to Moses about manna again today. Can we get a little more variety in this? Manna every day. They forgot about the fact that they were slaves in Egypt, but they're remembering that they had garlic and cucumbers and leeks and all these different things that were available to them to grow in their gardens. And now in the wilderness, all they have is manna. And they're complaining. And they come to Moses and demand meat to eat. And so Moses goes to the Lord with the issue. And the Lord essentially tells Moses, Moses, you get the people ready because tomorrow, he says, they're going to have a great feast where they will have meat to eat. But Moses' logic kicks in and he questions God because he knows how many people there are. He's doing some quick calculations and trying to figure out how many people there are and how much food is going to be needed to feed this great amount of people. And as he's looking around, he goes back to God and he says, God, even if we killed all of our cattle that we have, it's not going to be enough to feed this great amount of people. And so he looks to God and he tells him, God, there's absolutely no possibility that the people are going to eat meat tomorrow. I hear what you're saying, but I'm looking around. Can't be done. And what did I tell you about God in impossible situations? His power is often on full display in the midst of the impossible. And listen to what the words of Numbers 11:23 say. And this is a, a really awesome verse. Underline it, highlight it, memorize it. Just a great encouragement for us to remember. Numbers 11.23, after Moses has confronted the Lord, after God has said, tomorrow they're going to eat meat, and he said, God, it can't happen. Numbers 11.23 says, and the Lord said unto Moses, is the Lord's hand waxed short? Thou shalt see now whether my words shall come to pass unto thee or not. Is the Lord's hand waxed short? He's looking to Moses when Moses has come to him and says, Lord, it's impossible. Can't be done. And God turns back to Moses and he says, am I somehow not all-powerful anymore? Has my power weakened over time? Am I somehow unable to do what I've told you I'm going to do? And when you read the rest of that account, you'll find that God did indeed provide the people meat to eat. But as a result of their complaining against God, God did end up pouring his wrath upon the people with a great plague. But the part of the verse that I like is that the Lord responded to Moses and said, is the Lord's hand waxed short? 
We limit the power of God because we cast people off and we dismiss the possibility of God being able to do anything under the current circumstances that we're in. When in reality, the Lord's hand is never waxed short, but is in fact ready and willing to, to do what needs to be done, to save those that need to be saved. God has been gracious to us. Even if we have yet to repent of our sins, even if we're yet to receive his grace, there is still time, there is still opportunity for us to seize it. God can save even now, but there will come a time when salvation will be impossible. While there is life in us, there is still hope. The gospel is still preached, therefore the opportunity is still there for people to believe in Christ. Maybe you've been wondering about what the gospel is. It is acknowledging that you're a helpless sinner, unable to save yourself, unable to even earn your own way into heaven. It is recognizing that Christ came to provide you redemption when he took our sins for us, which were more than enough to sink us into the depths of hell for all eternity. And Jesus bore them all on the cross that he might provide access for us into heaven through faith in him. In John 3, 18, the Bible tells us, it says, He that believeth on him, on Christ, is not condemned. If our trust in Christ, even now, is real, he will give us a life of blessedness and hope which will never end. In John 5, 24, we also read, it says, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. It's because of verses like those in John 3, 18 and John 5, 24 and many more that I know even now there is still hope for a lost and dying world. The blood of Christ that was shed on Calvary's cross so many years ago has not lost its power. No, the Lord's hand has not waxed short. There is no other way for salvation apart from Jesus Christ. Even now, even today, here in 2023, Christ's death, burial, and resurrection is still sufficient for sinners to be saved. After burying her brother, Martha finally encountered Christ. He may have tarried to come right away, but Jesus indeed did come, and he came in their hour of affliction. And even though his presence was not immediate, he was aware of every sigh. He was aware of every tear that fell from the face of those sisters. And upon his arrival, the faith of Martha was clearly demonstrated. It was evident already when Christ was first alerted of Lazarus's sickness, because that's why they alerted him in the first place. But it grew exponentially after his passing. And as Martha approached Christ, she boldly and confidently was able to say, I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. I pray that our confidence and our faith in the power of the Almighty God be as steadfast even now in any and every circumstance that we may ever face. Even now, he is capable. Would you bow with me in prayer this evening? Heavenly Father, we thank you that we're able to come before the Almighty God. Lord, and I pray these words even now, Lord, would strike a chord with us tonight. I may not know everything that everyone is dealing with, Lord, but we know that there are circumstances that are difficult, are troublesome, discouraging. Lord, and I pray that we would have the same confidence that Martha had in you, even when situations look like they're beyond hope and beyond revival. And Lord, may we trust that even now, even now you're capable of intervening, even now you're capable, Lord, of working things out for our good. May we know, may we know that your power is not limited, that your hand is not waxed short. 
Lord, we love you. And I know that we struggle day to day, Lord, in, in fully trusting in your power and your great ability. And Lord, I pray that we would have reminders like this all the time. Lord, for when the moment starts that our faith begins to waver, that the Holy Spirit, Lord, would quickly, quickly bring us back into the truth and the reality that there is no situation that you cannot still meet us in. There is no issue that you cannot resolve. And Lord, we can have the confidence of even now. I pray, Lord, that those words would just be a blessing to us. Lord, no matter what we're dealing with and no matter what we'll face in the future, may these words come to mind in our times of affliction and our hours of need. Lord, that we think of you and are immediately drawn to you and to your ability. Thank you for being our God. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for extending your hand down to reach us where we are. Thank you, Lord, for being the help that we need from day to day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.